Hilton and uh, Brittany and Allie, the whole, their whole life group is doing it. It's great. It's great. Thank you. Um, something to get on your calendar, Sunday the 22nd. That's two weeks from today after the 1030 meeting. Uh, we're going to have a brief uh, meeting of the church to talk about uh, the budget and things like that. The members will be um, voting on that. We'll send stuff out for you to take a look at before then. But just know, uh, Judy Mogul, where are you, girl? Oh, hey. How's, how's things? Not good? Not good? Can we pray for you? Come here. Come here. Judy has a heart that Jesus has full grip on, and she's just lovely. Uh, unfortunately, um, she has uh, kidneys that are not treating her well. Are you a candidate for a transplant? Yes. You are. Will you do me a favor? Will you find out how um, people can get tested for a match and let us know? Because um, I, hope, I hope that um, maybe somebody here, maybe me. Um, you know what? If we really believe this body thing uh, about being the body of Christ, then my kidneys are not working well while Judy's are not working well. All right, so anybody want to pray for Judy? We're going to get you that information. If you're bold and you want to let God use you to potentially do that and get tested for a match, uh, give her part of your body so that she can be part of our body um, for a longer, better time. But we're going to pray for her right now. So if anybody wants to, you can do it at your seat. If you want to come lay hands on her in, a, in an appropriate place, um, we'll pray. Lord, this is your girl and my friend and my sister, your daughter. And um, Lord, you asked us to come to you with everything and um, have faith that you knit her together beautifully and wonderfully um, when you made her. And Lord, you're all about remaking things new. And so we ask that you do that miraculously um, for Judy. Lord, even now, in ways that I can't ask for or explain, that you would touch her as the great physician and make her well. Lord, if it brings you more glory that one of us sacrifice so that she might be well, do it. Um, we want what you want. Our lives, our bodies are yours. Do with them as you will. Um, I, uh, I ask that you would bless her for your fame and your glory. Um, so that she can continue on serving you in joy. Um, we believe that you're able. We believe that you will. And Lord, our faith is strong enough that if you have other plans, we're going to praise you anyway. In Jesus' powerful and beautiful name, amen. amen. All right. When I get that information from Judy, I will pass that along to you. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, um, Matthew 25, Matthew 25. That does not count against the time for the message, okay, because that was, that was for free. That was extra. All right, um, Matthew 25 is where we're going to be. Uh, as Eric mentioned, we are starting a special five-week series called 
exporting the gospel. It is the next steps for the new year for Bethany. This is not a new direction for those of you who have a panic on what kind of church did I stumble into? They're a changing direction. No, same direction, next step. And it's glorious. It's wonderful. Uh, was able to pray through this, share this with the elders and their families. And, and God uh, confirmed this um, with them. And, and I'm just excited. Um, we are not jettisoning the Revelation study. Many people have asked, when are you getting back into Revelation? Immediately after. And we've already started preparing those messages. They are relevant. They are exciting. They are as much in the newspaper as in the scripture and your life. And God is doing some great things. So hang on. But it's important that we get rooted and grounded in God's word and God's call in this new this new normal for us, uh, exporting the gospel. Um, so uh, we're going to take five weeks uh, to do that. It's going to be very exciting. Um, I guarantee it. But so that we get a refresher for those of you who have hung out here for a while and those of you who are new, we're going to remind us of what God has called us to for years, for years. Uh, so if you bring up the purpose statement, please, Shelby, and if we could sit up, clear our throats, and say it loud enough to wake somebody in a coma because we have a few of those. Let's do it. We are to be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Gunnison and Western know Jesus Christ. Praise God. That is not new. That is what we have been about for several years here. And we just praise God that he has brought us to this point. This is the point where he has brought us by his grace, by his favor, by his blessing. Bethany is the church to come to if you want to meet Jesus Christ. We don't do a lot of flashy stuff. We don't, it's the gospel. This, and we praise God for all the conversions, for all the baptisms, for all the baptismal services. It, by his grace, has been just, just seeing him work in that way. That's wonderful. But this goes beyond that. Because what about the people who don't come? What about the people for, they're just not church types. They moved to the mountains. They moved to Gunnison. They came to Western to get away from it all. You know, all the stuff that people in the cities and the suburbs do, which is, you know, polish themselves up and come to church on Sunday. Maybe they're not about that. Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they just have a wrong concept of God. Maybe, maybe they don't believe in him at all. And you know what? They're included in this. He loves them. We're called to love and reach them anyway. So it is wonderful that we have the written and spoken truth of the gospel, talking about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, earning God's favor for us on our behalf. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It is our loving, lavishly loving, merciful, crazy in love God with people who least deserve it, who pours himself out, spends himself, gives his life, his essence to people like me 
who least deserve it, to people like you, to people who don't yet know how much God loves them. And so, because he lavishes this love, because he serves us, because he rescues us, because he provides for us, he calls us to go out and be living proof of the spoken gospel, of the written gospel. He calls us to be hands and feet to demonstrate exactly what he did and continues to do for us and now through us so that this city and this college is turned upside down. They don't know what to do with this love. So that's what we're going to be about. God also leading us to become the church that turns this city and this college upside down with blessing, exporting the gospel beyond these walls to people who aren't led to be inside these walls. And there are tons of them. Most people, nine out of every 10 or more that you run into, aren't gonna be in church on a Sunday morning. They still matter. They still matter to God. They still matter to us. We want them blessed. We want them home. We want them saved. Whether they ever become church people or not, that's not what it's about. All right, Matthew 25. A little bit of setup. Jesus is telling a a story, a parable, right? Those of you who've hung out for a long time in church. Oh, by the way, this this message is going to be far better than the 9 o'clock. I gave the 9 o'clock message with my fly down the whole time. So, you know, I, I haven't peaked yet. How is that like an example of brokenness, right? It's probably on YouTube right now. I... Anyway, Jesus, come on, come back. Jesus is telling this parable, not in a vacuum. Here's the context. Here's the setup. And it points to what it's about. It, this is, if you're in 25, right? Um, Flip over. The title of the next chapter is The Plot to Kill Jesus. Judas betrays him in 26. He, he gets scourged. He, he goes to the cross um, in 27, 28. It, it just, it gets worse. I mean, this is, this is the end. And he knows it. And this is the story, according to Matthew, this is the last story that Jesus tells before he's arrested <laughs> And, and crucified on our behalf, in our place. Now, what you say, now, he's God in the flesh. This does not come as a surprise to him. He knows this. So if you tell me I have a day or two to live, I don't call Cherie and Tommy and Quincy to my bedside to tell them the story of Little rabbit foo-foo hopping through the forest, picking up field mice and giving them concussions. I I don't. Why? Because it doesn't matter. The things that you say when you know you're not going to be around anymore are likely to be the most important. And he shares this story. He knows that his life on earth is about to end. And where is his heart? He tells a story about the end of our lives. His heart is with us. And he tells us in plenty of time so that we have some time to do something about it, to affect how it ends for us. 
That's his heart. That's what he shares. And that's what we're looking at. Um, that's love. He's going to talk about the kingdom life that he invites us all to be part of and walk in. Matthew 25, we're picking it up in 31. A, 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 a story that's very familiar to some of you, but, but let it hit you afresh and anew. Rather than hear me talk about it, let's have Jesus tell it to us. He says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king, this is Jesus, will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now hit the pause button real quick right there couple of things we need to realize. He's talking about the sheep and the goats. And if those of you who are familiar with this passage, familiar with this story, it's often misinterpreted to mean that if we do enough good, we get salvation. We get Jesus. We get heaven. We get eternity of ever-increasing life. Not true. That is not what it's saying. It's not saying you can earn this. Here's how we know. Well, the body of scripture, but here's a clue right here. It says, inherit. Do you see it? Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit. If you're an underliner, you want to underline that word. If you're a highlighter, you want to highlight that word. Inherit. What does that mean? Inherit. It means you didn't do anything to get what you're about to get. Do you know any trust funders? Do we have any trust funders out there? I want to talk to you about giving to the church. Okay. A lot of trust funders are like all of us. Yahoos, right? You look at them, the best thing they did was get born in the right family. I'm not criticizing. I'm just like that. We're all just like that. Inherit means... It ain't because of what you did right. It's about somebody who came before you who did it right and is giving it to you because of your relationship to them. This is exactly what this story is talking about. Us inheriting all this because Jesus did it right and we are in relationship to him as yahoos who have been blessed ridiculously. That's what it's about. So there's no strutting. Everything we have, everything we have inherited, okay? Inherited. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There's a kingdom prepared for you from the very beginning of the world. And it is better than anything you've ever seen, heard, or imagined because he is there. And he is all in all, and he is better than anything you've seen, heard, or imagined. Even those of us who know him intimately don't have the first clue of how good he is. It's going to take us eternity to figure that out, which is exactly why he gives us that. He's better. And here's the great part. You don't have to wait till you start, stop breathing and flatline on this earth to start walking in that kingdom life. It just goes to fulfillment when you get there. 
We're called to experience it, to live in it, and to share it now. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. This is not earning that. This is evidence of having received that. Okay, let's go. Um, We almost did another message. Some will say we did, but that's okay. Inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. 35, why? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You received the gospel and you exported it to other people. And guess what? Those other people were me. I was there in disguise and you did it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Evidence that you've received the gospel. It's transformed your heart, transformed your mind, transformed all the way that you do things, the way you talk, the way you love, the way you spend, the way you work, the way you play, the way you enjoy, everything. And you've used, you've done what I've called you to do, not just receive, but be a conduit. And you've blessed everybody with me. And it was me. And that's beautiful. You've lived that kingdom reality. Then it takes a turn. And this is the dark, you know, da, 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 da. 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, oh no, this isn't the da, da. Um, The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer him, them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That's amazing. Now comes the music. 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, look at this, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus believes in hell. Jesus talks about hell. Jesus doesn't want anybody there. He did not prepare that. He didn't create that for you, for me, or for anybody that you know who is a moral or ethical, or whatever else kind of train wreck you can imagine. He says, into the eternal fire prepared for whom? The devil and his angels. The devil and his angels. He don't want people there. He's doing everything to keep us out of there. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. You didn't receive the gospel, and so you could not export it. You can't give what you have not got. You weren't me to the world because you didn't let me be me for you. Are you tracking? That wasn't a good sentence. If you're a teacher, you would F me on that one, but... um, They didn't receive the gospel, so they could not export the gospel to others. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, answer them saying, truly I say to you, 
as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is a continuation of the kingdom that they lived when they were alive. One, walking in the kingdom of God and advancing in that until that is fulfilled. One, walking in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of self, until it is fulfilled. This is not earning that. We have all earned separation. This is evidence of having received the gospel, having received Christ, and being able to export it to the least of these. Okay, so let's think about this. If Bethany were to close its doors and cease to exist after this service, okay, after lunch, because I'm looking forward to that. The only people who would mourn the only people who would weep are the people who come here every week to know, meet, and grow in Jesus Christ. That's it. But there is a day coming and is already upon us and we will grow in that starting today. When, she, if Bethany were to close its doors and cease to exist. The entire city, the entire college would mourn and weep because these people are no longer. These people blessed my life. These people gave me hope when there was no hope. These people gave me food when my stomach was growling, when my kids were hungry. These people clothed me when I was cold. These people comforted me when I was distressed. These people came to me when I was lonely. They healed me. They visited me when I was sick, when I was in prison, either behind bars or in in alcoholism or sin behavior or addictions or you name it, they were there. They walked with me through that. When these people were around, I actually believed that there might be a God who is alive, who loves me, who, who cares. I actually believe there might be a loving God who wanted to invade my life and change it and actually give me life. But don't worry, Bethany's not closing its doors. Thanks, God. We're not going away. We are going to grow and become those people who so lavishly love, who so selflessly serve and share the gospel as we do it, that people are transformed who never would step foot in this church. Jesus did not come to save church people. He came to serve and save those who feel like they're unworthy to even step foot in here, who have no interest, who feel like their life is so far gone, and we are too. We are too. Okay. Um, so it talks about, Jesus talks about clothing, feeding, giving. Doesn't everybody do that? 
Doesn't everybody do that to some degree? I mean, every organization, and especially, uh, particularly around the holidays, right? You give to the Salvation Army bucket and ring, 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 or you try to get in the other entrance and you, you know, but sometimes they change people and on your way in and then you feel like you got to do it again and, you know, and then at nine news, nine cares, Colorado shares here, eat these pears, whatever that thing is, coats for, co- oh, I don't know, it's corny. But uh, coats for Colorado or uh, this or that. Turkeys at Thanksgiving. We used to do that in this church, right? Um, those of you who are longtime members, uh, we used to like do turkey dinners and deliver them around Thanksgiving. Nothing wrong with any of these things. They're all good things, right? But, you know, a lot of churches do that around Thanksgiving. And in church circles, it's gotten the, the, the buzz where you give them a bird at Thanksgiving and flip them the bird the rest of the year. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to tell you what we're like. We care desperately for people when the calendar says to care desperately for people. Um, But when that time goes on, we go back to our lives as if they're not part of them, right? And Christmas time, you know, everybody's doing the Operation Christmas Child. That's all good stuff. That's all good stuff. But do we serve a calendar or do we serve the Christ? Um. What he's talking about is not a seasonal um, heart change. It is knowing that Jesus cares for us, showers grace upon us, loves us lavishly, provides for us, forgives us 24-7, 365. And so we are missionaries who serve, uh, give, clothe, provide 24-7, 365. That's what it's about. It's about so changing us that it doesn't matter what the calendar says. This is what he says. And he keeps doing it, so we keep doing it. And through that, our light will shine in a way that it's not yet shining. And we've seen fruit already. Well, get the cupboards ready because the fruit is coming in greater and greater and greater measures than we've ever seen before. One of my favorite sayings um, outside of the Bible is a, is a little poem. It goes like this. Break to the needy, sweet charity's bread. Forgiving is living, the angel said. And must I keep giving again and again? My selfish and pitiful answer ran. Oh no, said the angel, cutting me through. Just give till the Lord stops giving to you. And that's the truth. That's the truth. We who have received God's richest blessings in Jesus Christ and in every other way through him are exporting it. And he keeps filling so that we can keep exporting until the whole world knows. That's the plan. A couple of things I'd like for us to take note of as we look at the passage. Four things actually. Jesus, the high and exalted one, the one who sits on his throne in glory, not just when he comes back, but before he came, right? Deserves all honor, all praise, all everything, creator and sustainer of the universe and everything in it, identifies with whom? The high, mighty, wealthy, influential? Uh Uh-uh. Identifies, has knit his heart with the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, 
the disenfranchised, the imprisoned, the losers. Good news for people like me. Good news for people like you. Jesus identifies with those who least identify with him. Number two, Jesus not only identifies with the least of these, Jesus becomes the least of these. The story of Jesus' incarnation, birth in a lowly feed trough and homeless, having nowhere to lay his head and giving and giving and giving and giving. He became the naked. He became the hungry. He became the thirsty. He became the disenfranchised. He became the imprisoned. He became the sick. In fact, the Bible says he became sin. He became every nasty, vile, ugly thing you and I have ever thought, said, or done, and everybody else throughout history. He became that. Why? So that he could become us and walk to the cross and die in our place for our sin so that we would not have to. We just trust him. We receive him. We accept his payment on our behalf. He became the least of these. Number three, there is no looking down on the least of these. I say that quite easily. The least of these go out by, why? Because them is us. You and I are the least of these. You and I, regardless of how much money we have, regardless of how full our closets are, regardless of how good our job is, how promising our prospects are, how good our grades are, spiritually, we are the least of these. We are naked without Christ. We are hungry and starving without Christ. We are thirsty for living water without Christ. We are imprisoned by our own desires, by our own habits, by our own addictions without Christ. We are sick and dying of our sin without Christ, and yet he comes. So there's no looking down on anybody, regardless of what got them there, because them is us. Jesus identifies with the least. Jesus became the least. We are the least. And four, Jesus doesn't run from the people who are in the most dire circumstances. He doesn't run from the most desperate of people. He runs to them. If you want to follow Jesus, you will forever be running to the people who have the most desperate need and least deserve rescue. Why? Because that's where he's going. That's how he found me. That's how he found some of you. And that's how he's going to find everybody. If you want to follow Jesus, run to the least who are most desperate and least deserving because that's where he is and that's who he came for. And surprise, everybody is in that category. That's 
what I want us to take away. I also want to notice that the gospel is holistic. Now, before you freak out on me and say you're doing the social gospel, you just want to feed the world and, and, and everybody hold hands and sing kumbaya and put clothes on everybody, and that's all you need to do. No. That is living proof of the gospel that we share, the gospel that he speaks, the gospel that we speak, that there is the only, only the fullness of clothing, only the fullness in feeding, only the fullness in healing in him. But how are people who either don't care or are antagonistic toward God supposed to believe that there's a God who lovingly wants to infect and turn their lives around and give them new life How are they supposed to believe that if the people who claim that he indwells them don't? Well, it sounds sounds logical, but there are many, many, many churches that are founded exactly on that principle. We're going to hate on the very people that Jesus came to run to and rescue. We're not going to be one of them. I'm not looking down. I'm just saying, this is our call. We want to take the next step in the gospel. It's being living proof to the people outside these walls that the church doesn't want. Here is the truth that you're going to hear every week throughout this five-week series. Jesus desires to create a beautiful, strong, glorious church in Gunnison with the people that nobody wants. Did you get that? And you're one of them. And I'm one of them. Isn't that the way he's always worked? When he walked along the seashore, putting his posse together, right? He didn't go rob the rabbis of the smartest, most promising guys. The guys who were fishermen didn't qualify to follow a rabbi. They weren't deemed worthy to catch people so they caught fish. This wasn't what they grew up hoping to do as young Jewish men. Their parents weren't bragging, hey, my kid's a fisherman. That means no rabbi would take them. But he did. And I'm here because they did. Because he did. So are you. Jesus wants to create a beautiful, glorious, strong church in Gunnison, That turns the city and the college upside down using people that nobody wants. And we're part of it. We're part of it. The gospel is more than words spoken. The gospel is more than words. You say, wait a minute. Gospel is words. Really? It is certainly that. But it's more than that. Or else Jesus could have saved himself the trip and just made it rain New Testaments, right? And maybe some four spiritual lost tracks. And then go back to heaven, kick back in his, you know, heavenly barca lounger, whatever he has up there, and just see what happens. Missionaries would not have to sacrifice everything. They'd just go in a helicopter and throw out Bibles, right? In their appropriate languages. And then go back home and watch CNN and watch what happens. But they don't. What do they do? We have lots of missionaries that go forth from this church to foreign countries. Praise God for that. We got Amanda Welk. She's in Serbia. Yeah, 
crazy place. I think she's making it up. I've never seen it. Uh, just kidding. I love her. She's doing great work. Mike Perman was down in Mexico. Austin Adams is in Mexico. Karen and Mark Higgins are in Mexico. Um, Josh Duff. Where is he? Africa? Where is he? Yeah. They would tell you what missionaries do. Missionaries pray to God about where to go. Where do you want me to be you? Right? Where would you go? Where do you want me? Where do you want you? And then they pray for a love for this city, for a love for the, the people of this city. And they study their cultures. They study their customs. They get to know what these people are about, what they like, what they hate, how they do life. And then they go in there and they find the deepest need. And they start, if it's food, they're providing food. If it's clean water, they got water. If it's new buildings or schools or churches, they're doing that. If it's social justice or sex trafficking, they're, they're against that, right? And all the time, All the time, they're talking about the one who does this ultimately. As they're providing living proof of this, they're talking about the one whose energy, whose spirit, whose call, whose whose rescue mission empowers all of this for eternity. They're being the gospel and they're preaching the gospel and it's working. In fact, if you want to see, you know, we're, we're real fond. I, I'm a patriot, okay? I, I love America. But we're real, we're real fond of saying, this is God's country. This, this here is God's country. Do you know there's more people who belong to Jesus Christ in China than there are people in the United States? And it is exploding underground. Underground. Some places, people taking their lives in their hands just to do what we're doing here today and can't wait to finish doing it. Wow. Yeah, God's big. Yeah, missionaries work. Yeah, he's calling us to do that here, right here. Um, Life at Bethany is going to be a trip, a mission trip. Whether you stay or go, That's what we're about. It's in our purpose. We did the gospel preaching and proclamation and we'll continue to do it week in and week out for the believer and the unbeliever. But we're gonna be living proof as we've never been living proof before. It's it's, it's like show and tell. Show and tell. We've been big on the tell. We're gonna show in a way that can't be ignored. Our neighbor is Jesus. Our neighbor is hungry because they went to bed without food and may do it again. Our neighbor is thirsty. Our neighbor is shivering and her kids are cold. Even though they wear their warmest clothes in the house, Our neighbor is alone and almost out of hope. Our neighbor is imprisoned in um, a society that, um, and circumstances that don't provide a lot of encouragement, addicted to a pattern of life that will only lead to more suffering and death. Our neighbor is Jesus. You ready to meet him? 
Let's do it. If you'd pull up that picture, Shelby, please. Um, this is a picture of Jesus. Um, he goes by different names. Um, this family uh, lives across the street from our church and down just a couple of blocks in the Mount Ararat Apartments. Anybody live there? Anybody live there? I'm glad because it's not nice. Um, that is on the left, the mother. Um, her name is Amalia and she is a beautiful lady who loves those kids with all her heart. Shortly after her son sitting right next to her was born, um, the father uh, walked down on them and left them in a country where she doesn't speak the native language very well and she does not receive uh, help and does not have a whole lot of hope. Um, in fact, I don't know what they would have done if God had not brought them to us right now. Um, I have been on that couch with them, talking with them, praying with them and for them, and um, learning about their story. Um, I want to just introduce you to them. Um, Amalia, as I said, her little three-year-old, just to her left, your right, is Saul. Uh, his name is spelled Saul, but uh, he is just a love. He is, um, he doesn't have shoes on and they're cold. It's cold in there. Um, that next little girl who has her eyes closed, and I wish she didn't because they're beautiful and big. Um, she's one of Cresia's students, actually. Uh, she is a twin of the little boy in the orange shirt who's one child away from her. That is Diana, and the twin uh, is Omar, her brother. Uh, they are six, and Omar has been sick for quite a while, almost a month, with a fever that they can't get to break. Do you know what they use? Rags. He, has, he can't hold down what little food they feed him um, because he's sick. And they don't have any medical care. Um, so we prayed over uh, him and all the kids came and, and put their hands on him. And, she, and when we prayed for him, he just stood there and, and put his head up to the sky and closed his eyes and smiled. And I believe God is, 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 is going to do a work in his life. Um, in between them is eight-year-old uh, Eredino. I'm sorry, I have to look because these are not, you know, these are not names that I'm really familiar with. Eredino. And uh, to the right uh, in the blue is Ida. And Ida is 10. And she is a girl who is mature far beyond her years. Not only is she an interpreter for her mom, but she has a mother's heart and cares for and comforts uh, her brothers and sisters in a way that few 10-year-olds have been called upon to do. Um, she feeds them before she eats and makes sure that they have everything that they need um, 
she has become the closest thing to uh, a second parent that they have. Um, I told them about what we would like to do in this exporting of the gospel. And that is why you see an empty freezer where we usually have the Lord's Supper table for weeks when we do that. This is something I would like to do several times throughout the year with the goal of doing this once a month, eventually. Um, it's called Freezers of Love. And, and God um, kind of put this on our hearts. Um, what we do, uh, what we're gonna do is take this freezer, and I've already been over there. They got a place for it. They got a plug and, and provide meals to carry them through the winter. And, and so what we'll do for those of you who are willing, we got a page and a half of people just from the nine o'clock service who are doing this. We're gonna cook meals for this family of six and um, we're gonna bring them Saturday here uh, between nine and 11. Uh, Rachel uh, Welk has a seal meal. If anybody else has one, we could use more than one. Um, we got bags on order. Um, we're gonna send you an email telling you how to prepare it so that um, so you could bring it in here uh, Saturday uh, and, and get it done. If you can't make it then, then you can just deliver it at any time and put it in the fridge or the freezer and we'll know what it's for. We're gonna label them. And next Sunday, they're gonna be here at this service. Um, and after we do the offering, um, the second offering is going to be us bringing up these, these meals and filling this freezer. And then we're going to have colored marks a lot for right after the service. And we're going to use those to write uh, your favorite scripture verse or a word of encouragement or a prayer or a message of, of love to these people. And then we're going to find people who are younger and stronger and fitter than I am to bring this to their house and install it and pray with them. And um, as I spoke to her about this and the kids, um, I say, I, I want to find out, you know, we, we work through human services because, you know, we want to partner with anybody who's doing good work. Um, and that's how I found out about this family. I said, guys, um, what do you like to eat? And, and, and what do you not like? Because like we all know, like, to provide a dinner of beets and Brussels sprouts, that's not a blessing. That's not a blessing to anybody. If you think so, there's counseling for you and we can, we can hook you up with that um, too. <clears throat> but I find out, what do you like? What do you eat? I said, cereal? Ramen? We're not gonna make them cereal and ramen. I said, what about meat? Beef? Yes? Yes. Oh, yes. Chicken? Chicken. Chicken? Yes. Fish? Yes. Yes. Potatoes and onions and carrots and corn? Yes. In fact, um, and I'm not telling you this to make much of me. When they said chicken, they were so excited. I had to go to City Market, right, after. And I said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And I just got, you know, you get the fried chicken and, 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 and the corn and mashed potatoes. And you would think it was Christmas Day at Disneyland. 
the kids started jumping up and down. They said, Mama, chicken. Mama, we have chicken. That's what we do when we can't figure out what from our full fridge we want to eat. That was manna to them. So here's, here's this first baby step, right? Because next week, we're going to dream together about all the possibilities, about all the possibilities and how your unique giftedness can plug into how this city and this college are going to be turned on their head for Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to think about a meal that you might be willing to prepare for six that we can give them. What would you, what do you, what do you make well? What do you love? What would you cook if Jesus was coming over to dinner? Because he is. And as you make it, I encourage you to pray for them, to praise the one who has given you the opportunity to be a conduit and export the gospel. The one who feeds us now in the deepest of ways and forevermore. We've already started to preach the gospel to this family. Where they are spiritually, are they Christians? I think they will be. And frankly, my call to them is the same. Love them as I love them. Go as I have gone. Only be as good to them as I have been to you. Well, what about my needs? What about my struggles? What about me? I'm wired to think that way. You might be too. Here's the thing that if we are faithful to see Jesus in the least and serve him the best, I believe we'll be fed and, and have drink and clothing and peace and joy that we never knew before. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of people to turn this city and this college upside down for Jesus Christ, but they're coming. They're coming. And I'm not looking for business owners. I'm not looking for trust funders. If they come, great, because we're going to need money to do it too. But you know what? God's going to do this with the people that people have written off. And we are blessed to be among their number. Why did we put the freezer where we usually put the Lord's Supper because it is. This is just a baby step. The avalanche is coming. Hang on. But let's be faithful in the small things so that we can be faithful in the greater things. Okay. This calls us to have Jesus sightings wherever we go to find people who are in desperate need and least deserving of rescue. I challenge you this week, have Jesus sightings at your work, 
go a different way. Go down a different street. Have Jesus sightings. Meet. Speak life. Be hope. Meet needs. And tell us. We've got a huge list. It's not big enough. It's got to reach everybody. Little by little. Gift by gift. Service by service. Love by love. Until we're all home. That's what Jesus looks like. He's hungry and he's cold. And he's had a fever for a month. Blessed are we to be able to serve him. Craig Rochelle put it this way, to reach people no one else is reaching, you have to do what no one else is willing to do. That's us. Because we will never reach the depth of what he's done for us and continues to. We have to export the gospel beyond these walls, beyond our comfort zone, beyond those interested in God, beyond those who other churches want or seek, beyond the, what people expect from Christians, beyond any conceivable notion of love and grace and sacrifice and love beyond all limits. It's time that we stepped out in faith to be living proof of the gospel that we talk so much about, to be the living proof that there is a living God who loves lavishly and wants to infect everybody with life and freedom, forgiveness, and hope. It's going to be a really, really good year. You're going to see things that he does that we don't even have words for. And Judy, you're going to be one of them. I'm glad I'm going to say that. And you might be too. So let's get there together because that's where he's leading. That's what it's going to take. That's what it deserves. Um, we are broken and we're going to other broken people, leading them to the healer. I'm not looking down. It's looking up. Jesus gets to be Jesus for Jesus. He is all in all. This train is leaving. There's room for you. Let's get on. It's going to be glorious. As we sing God of this city, I'd like you to sing it to God, but I'd also like for us to sing it to ourselves in a sense so that we get it. And as you do, if you would like to be blessed to be part of this first freezer of love, which is just one of many diverse ways that we are going to so bless this place. I tell you, you got to come. you got to stay. Next week, that's what it's about. Come, put your name, put your email. We're going to send an email to tell you about how to prepare it. Yeah, they're going to get chicken.
and a whole lot more. And when you cross the line, Jesus is going to say, you know that meal? That was beautiful. Thank you. Tasted great. A little salty, but good. That's the gospel. And we're blessed to do it. Let's praise him. Let's respond. And if you know that as you've heard the word of God and, and you've heard me sharing, go ahead, you can, you can start playing. You know that you can't export the gospel because you haven't allowed him to import it into your heart to be your Lord, to be your Savior, come talk to me. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's respond. He is the God of the city, and great things are on their way. This is what we're going to be about in addition to what we've already been about. And when the food runs out, Amalia and her kids are not just going to be a check mark. We're adopting them. When it comes time for school, some of us are going to take them school shopping for clothes and books, backpacks, all the while saying everything that we have is yours because that's how God is. Come meet him. And we're going to do that again and again. And again, to other people and other families and other students, to where if you don't want to be blessed by the exported gospel, you better move or transfer. It's coming. That's the gospel. This service is ended. But church, say it with me, it's just getting started. That's the gospel. I love you.